The Lord be with you. Do you remember what it was like to be a preteen? That awkward in-between time? It's a, it's a really vulnerable stage of life when your whole body and your mind just don't quite fit right. And you're still trying to figure out who you are and what you're going to be about. Maybe you were cute. But probably you were awkward. And there's a good chance you were maybe even a little bit weird. (laughs) Did you annoy people or were you one of those young charmers? Some of us did come into our own at a pretty young age, but others of us were self-conscious late bloomers. And more than a few of us still feel like that same adolescent kid in a middle-aged body all these years later. Here's a picture of one of those dapper preteen charmers. Just get a load of this guy, huh? Looks like he could already be running his own indie record label from the looks of things. And if you look carefully, I'm pretty sure you'll see a gold chain around his neck. That's how styling he was. Rocking that devil-may-care collar on his rugby shirt. Mr. Cool, am I right? Or how about this styling young woman? I'm told she was a bit of a tomboy, going to the beach, throwing a stick for the dog, huge little house on the prairie fan, who was stealing the show at the latest musical production at her church or her school. While we're at it, we might as well take a look at this little stinker here, junior outdoorsman down in the River Valley building forts with a little hatchet and a knife, also, uh, kind of a big little house on the prairie fan, but that's, we don't need to get into that. Definitely an annoying person. <laughs> uh, probably bothering someone somewhere with some grade A nonsense, I promise you. And don't let that dapper tie fool you, because this kid is definitely headed for a trip to the principal's office. And one last picture. This one was a bonus that we just threw in at the end. Let's just say this 13-year-old who just snuck in uh, was probably just fresh home with a box of old hymn books that him and his mom picked up at a garage sale. And he was getting ready to power his way through a bunch of songs he'd never heard. Now, maybe uh, the rest of you have a preteen picture you'd like to share with us. Feel free to get it ready for the Zoom chat that Don's going to lead after the service, or you can send it to one of us or drop it in on the Facebook page for First Baptist Church. No pressure, though. No pressure. Between the birth stories of Jesus and the beginning of his adult ministry, some three decades later, we get one story. A tiny little peek of what it was like to live with the little Christ. Jesus, the child prodigy. And it's short, but there really is a lot going on in this little story. And even in that account of the preteen Christ, there are predictors of what is to come. Because life with Jesus, no matter what age he was, can be its own kind of journey. I think I said something like this a a few weeks ago, but the Gospels recount a unique window in the time of history 
called the Late Second Temple Judaism period, when the dominating Roman imperial power saw fit to let the local Jerusalem population carry on with their religious traditions. And Jesus got to live in a time when religious holidays and festivals would take over the whole city for days. Prescribed pilgrimage to Jerusalem was a part of the cycle of life for Jewish people. And it really sounds like a lot of good fun for a 12-year-old. Just think of it as a big traveling summer camp with all the people from your neighborhood and all of your extended family, road tripping together with the whole community, preparing and eating meals, making camp when they need it. Maybe mom even gave you a few coins for snacks on the way. And there's that excited uncle who always brings extra tarps and a whole bunch of gear, and then he spends the whole time battening things down and fixing other people's broken kit. Sounds like a real good time. The Christ child grew up surrounded by the rhythms and traditions and the seasons of celebration, community, worship, family, and holy days. And Jesus grew up with a view of Jerusalem, the holy city. He knew the 150 kilometers of road from Galilee to Jerusalem really well. If you pay attention, you'll notice that a lot of the events that happen in the Gospels are framed around Jewish holy days and celebration. Partly because that helps set the scene. Partly that's probably when people were mingling and getting together. But more importantly, it's because the telling of the Jesus story is rooted in the story of the children of Israel. And Luke really wants us to see those connections. Like that one line at the end of today's passage, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. That's a callback. That's a straight-up callback to the story of young Samuel, the Old Testament miracle child who was set apart and given by his mother Hannah for a life of work and service in the temple. That's the same Samuel who would grow up to become the great prophet of Israel in the time of David, who was Jesus' ancestor. Back to this text, though. The festival is over and people are taking down their decorations. There are city workers sweeping in the streets. There's a mess everywhere. And the pilgrims are all making their way home. Mary and Joseph are packed up and they're back on the road but preteen Christ stays behind. Now, some people have commented on this and say that it's a sort of bad parenting moment in the Holy Family. I'm not so sure. We're told that his parents thought Jesus was traveling with their trusted relatives and friends like he no doubt would have on so many other trips, just like this one. It's a small oversight, but they trusted their people. In their community. That being said, every parent knows that bad feeling inside, what Don called the home alone moment, when you think that you did a parenting thing, made a choice or a decision that you're now really second-guessing and wishing you could take back. 
And your imagination is beginning to think of some of the worst possible, horrible, terrible scenarios. And this is Mary and Joseph's life for three days, hastily making their way back to the city, positively sick with worry, searching all the usual places, and still nothing. This is some extreme parental agony, folks. And this whole time, Jesus has just been hanging out at the temple, of course. Where has he been sleeping or eating? We don't really know. But the child prodigy has been sitting with all of the religious experts and teachers. He's been sitting with people who've spent their entire lives in study and preparation, reading the scriptures, And he is putting on a clinic, just the way a 12-year-old virtuoso does, asking incredible questions, giving astonishing answers, and generally blowing the sages and the theologians and the biblical experts away with a preternatural talent and wisdom. And the kicker. The 12-year-old Christ is oblivious to his parents' three-day crisis. Now, maybe you've been a parent or a supervisor or a babysitter, and maybe you know that feeling when your heart turns from weary and fear and anxiety into frustration and parental wrath. Or maybe you don't have a preteen and you've never been in that situation. Maybe you were that kid who went on a careless little detour and kind of forgot to let your parents know. And then there's that stark moment when you realize just what sort of trouble you are in, young man. Mary says, child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you with great anxiety. Understatement. And the young Messiah who sure seems to be coming into his own all right, responds, Do you not know that I must be in my father's house? (laughs) What a strange and infuriating thing to say. It's like Jesus expects them to be up and running with the program already. But of course, Mary and Joseph still don't get it. These are, let's remember, the blessed people. The holy family highly favored. They're the ones with halos painted around their heads in all the famous paintings. People visited by angels and shepherds and magi. In those short years, they've already had so many holy moments, times of proclamation and glory and wonder. And here they are with this promised miracle child, the son of the Most High, And they still don't get it. Here in the temple, at the end of three really hard days of worry and searching, they're just a mom and a dad, relieved to see their son in one piece. This is going to take a while to sink in. And we're told that Mary carries these moments and treasures them in her heart for years to come. And then... After all of that, Jesus just goes home with them, obediently joining his relieved parents on the road home. 
Mom and Dad, this is just the beginning. In a life of faith, there is a lot that every one of us doesn't understand. We spend time searching, finding a few answers, and just then you're ready for a whole slew of new questions. We cover so much of the same ground year after year after year with tradition and celebration. Community and family, companions on the journey, the routines of work and life, the mundane and the wonderful. But boy, life sure takes on some crazy detours and distractions and unexpected adventures. With all sorts of anxieties, growing pains, blunders, lessons, embarrassing stories, real sadness, and terrible scenarios sometimes. Through it all, even the wisest of us quite often feel like awkward beginners, slow learners, even all these years later. With that in mind, it's, it's an easy thing, practically a given even, inevitable, that at times we lose track of Christ in the world, Christ in the crowd, Christ in the people around us. For whole chunks of time beset by so many concerns and daily hassles, distractions, festivities, crushing pressures, anxieties. So, blessed people, friends and companions, and I don't know who paints your halos, as we make our way together worshiping and practicing, wondering, questioning, seeking, sharing our doubts and our anxieties and our fears, looking for Christ in the world. May we find ways to practice seeing Christ in creation, in family, in friendship, in work, in purpose, in a life of learning and acquired and shared wisdom, in surprising moments of grace that move us. And may we find ways to be reminded and reassured of the promise that Christ is at work in the world, in us and around us and through us, even when we don't see or understand. This is the miracle. This is the mercy. This is the grace and the mystery of Christ at work in the world. Thanks be to God.